Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. You couldn't spend a better two hours than that. that. If that was the only two hours you worked in the week, that's what you want to do. I mean, well, I used to price right back at the start. I'd price something and I'd go, oh, that's a bit expensive and I'd knock a bit off, you know? Don't know why I used to do it, but I did. <laughs> yeah, like without the, the wives we have, like we definitely wouldn't be the, the business owners that we are. We probably don't tell them enough, but um, hopefully they'll listen to this and, and hear me talking them up. You could have some jobs going really well and then they just, they're hiding the jobs that are actually losing money and you're just doing them over and over, you know? Currently just trying to see how much annual leave I can take before I get fired. On today's episode, I interview Tim Davies and Dylan Cassidy, who are members of the Million Dollar Trading Program and have built a super successful business. Now, during their time with us, they've grown their revenue by more than three times and their profits significantly. They've built an impressive team and created a high uh, productive work culture. And they've built the business in a way that allows them to now take some time off for fun and, and some vacations. Tune in as Tim and Dylan talk through how they did it. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back, and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical, or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. So they say success leaves clues. And on today's episode of the Profitable Tradie Podcast, I interview the dynamic duo, Tim and Dylan from Cassidy Davies Electrical. Now, Tim and Dylan, awesome to be hanging out today, guys. Uh, welcome to the studio. How you doing? Good, mate. Thanks for having us. And uh, obviously, you're pretty happy to be here as well, Dylan. <laughs> I might not show up, but I'm happy. Right, that's right. It's a big smile there. So, um, team, I actually uh, went back and looked at your um, the notes that I think Phil did your initial game plan session when um, when you joined the Million Dollar Trading Program, which is um, well, was about three years ago, actually. Uh, and I went back through the notes uh, that he wrote down, uh, which is really interesting. And I thought I might just read some of them to you because uh, it's actually quite cool to look back. It was sort of March 2020. And at that time, you guys were hitting around 120K in revenue, uh, in monthly revenue. And your margins were pretty tight, I think sort of 20, 25%. Uh, your team was, you know, had you two. I think you had a couple of Sparkies, three apprentices, and a part-time uh, person in the office. And the notes sort of said you were both on the tools pretty much full on. And uh, some of the things that Phil jotted down, he said nice things, uh, of course. Um, and he <laughs> yeah. said, you guys, you know, probably didn't understand uh, your numbers that well and what was actually happening uh, financially. And you had very few systems and not a lot of time uh, for yourselves. And the business was really heavily reliant on, on you two. And yet, I don't think you even had any soft, uh, job software at that stage. No, we, we did. It was a, it was oh, a diary. Right. Yeah, okay. Yes, it was... <laughs> I've still got it. It's, it's on is my it? desk. It's um, bit of a bit of a relic. That's right. You've got it sort of mounted for for what is it? Posterity? Pros, I don't know. That's a big word. Whatever that means. But I've heard it once. When we look back on that, obviously you've you've come a long way, which is amazing. So what I what I'd love to do just to kick off, can you talk us through why it was important for you to actually make some changes at that time? <laughs> Firstly, it's pretty nice of what Phil said there in the in the notes. Still remember that day actually sitting in. It was like a couple of days before that big that's lockdown. That's right. Back in COVID finally, days. Uh, picked up the balls to ring ring in and Phil rung us. We're, we're working massive hours, eh? Like, we're, you know, 10, 12 hours, and then that's Monday to Saturday, and then we'd either meet at Tim's house and do um, paperwork and stuff on the Sunday or, you know, nights. That wouldn't have been able to continue. Like, that wasn't sustainable. Like, we'd done it at a previous job a lot, so we were pretty good at the big hours and that, and we enjoyed it, but there's no way that that was sustainable. Yeah, we were making all right money, but... We were well and truly overworked and um, underpaid probably for, for the hours we were doing. 
Yeah, I know it was it was pretty full on, and I mean that's a pretty common story I think for for people in in business. So, what sort of impact was that having on you know on you as as people you know for you for family stress time all that sort of stuff. I'm very I'm always stressed, so those times were super stressful. Like uh, there are a few times there that were but too stressful. Yeah, got through them. House wives, both our wives are pretty pretty understanding people, eh? Yeah, they understood. I think they knew what we were were working towards but um like you know we couldn't sustain that forever like we were we we're probably working our way towards a successful business but single so um that was probably the main the main why as to as to getting getting some help and, and making some some changes both been following following the um pt facebook page for for a while and and dylan sort of um pushed us towards it and then we finally booked in that call and i don't know rest is history I guess yeah yeah so um, I think you're right um, choosing uh, your your wife or your significant other uh, if you've got one who's going to support you is, is super helpful in business and um, that's not always the case unfortunately uh, I think I've heard it said your biggest uh, wealth creation decision is who you choose as your life partner so um, obviously you guys did pretty good there which is which oh, yeah, is awesome yeah. oh without yeah like without the, the wives we have like we definitely wouldn't be the, the business owners that we are like uh, uh, definitely crucial to we probably don't tell them enough but um they definitely are hopefully they'll listen to this and and hear me talk them up <laughs> yeah maybe you should actually tell them like yourself you know like i don't I've know got better i've got better yeah i hear you mate um i think we all learn with uh with that as we go along i think uh, that's a whole new learning in it it is yeah so what i'd love to do is is just you know fast forward to now so three years ago to now can you tell us about what the business looks like now you know what are the changes that you've made where are we sitting now Revenue sort of averages around that three fifty. Um, we've had a couple couple up there, high 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 four hundreds. So we haven't cracked a five hundred, but we're nearly there. I don't think that's too far away. Yeah, this year. Yeah, the way the way things are tracking, probably this year. Uh, at the moment, we've got twenty. There's twenty three of us. Um, that's made up of me and Tim. Uh, I've got an office manager, uh, service coordinator. Uh, estimator, junior estimator, uh, two, two ops managers. So one does like the commercial stuff, one does the residential and servicing stuff. Seven tradies and eight apprentices. Probably our roles is uh, Dylan works as the general manager and I'm um, currently just trying to see how much annual leave I can take before I get fired. <laughs> quite, a, quite a lot as it turns out. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Tim's no, like the chief comedian. Yeah. My actually, that might be a good um, job title. I'm sort of I do um, my my role is business development manager, um, and a big part of that culture culture within the business, um, just implementing and, and and keeping that culture going, just making sure everyone's happy and um, and things are running smoothly, and and yeah, um, creating systems and processes around that as well. Yeah, killer. And in terms of uh, you know like financials and stuff, so you've obviously grown revenue. Uh, how are things different now in terms of how you you know track the financials and also uh, you know what what impact uh, and and shift have you been able to make in the in the in the gross margins that you're able to achieve? When we started, we well, well you know first few years we didn't track anything. It just if there was money in the account, there was money in the account. If there wasn't, we probably didn't even know why. Um, now everything's tracked. Like we've got pretty good systems around tracking all of that. Um, GP was. I think we worked out that GP was sitting around that twenty twenty five percent back at the back at the start there, but 
sits around um, 33. That that can depend on how much commercial stuff's going on at the time. That yep. that definitely changes changes those impact. margins. Like yeah, more servicing work. It, those can get a, get up there. Like the thing about growing a great business is actually most of this stuff is not. Um, oh, look, it takes a bit of learning, right? It's I say it's relatively simple. It's not necessarily easy to do sometimes or a lot of the time, but it's about doing some simple things well. Hundred uh, percent. So yeah, let, let's dig into that. That'll be that'll be really juicy. So we we got a really good job management software which helps with the back costing, um, keeps everything really clear and visible, and our ops managers have to check check uh, every job every job before it's invoiced have to check the margins are right they have targets so if it doesn't meet a target margin um, and it gets invoiced that goes into a uh, into a spreadsheet which is then discussed at our weekly meeting and we sort of discuss what went wrong you know how we can stop that from ever happening again I guess um, try and learn from the things that do go wrong because stuff does go wrong so that's probably the biggest bit there is learning like you know jobs don't go well all the time but if you if you know why and then you can fix that on the next job um it, you know it still hurts financially but it doesn't matter as much because you've learned something if you're just not making money on jobs and then moving on to the next one and not learning anything you're kind of wasting your time eh? yeah and to me that's the thing we see a lot of and, and maybe you, you know you experienced this in the past is um how how often are we busy doing work and uh, our sort of focus is to get the job finished, keep the client happy, get the project wrapped up, and and um, we don't really think about how much money it's made. And and we can actually go four, five, six, ten projects, you know, six months, twelve months, eighteen months down the track, still doing the same projects and not really knowing if they're actually making any money or whether they could make more money. You could have some jobs going really well, and then they just they're hiding the jobs that are actually losing money, and you're just doing them over and over. You know, so if you're not you're not checking you don't know and you keep doing those jobs and no you're not going to fix it easy to do when you're 10 hours on the tools and trying to invoice and quote and do all this stuff at night and you know you might back cost a job and go oh that didn't go so good but then you don't look into why and you just carry on and yeah the cycle repeat i think what you said there dylan is, is super important that um you know if even if you measure your average gross margin uh over a month uh, it might look okay, but you know if it's thirty three percent or if it's thirty eight percent or forty or whatever it is, there'll be a bunch of jobs that are actually significantly below that. Yeah. And even if all you do is fix up the you know the the jobs that basically turn into dog turds, if you fix them up, that's going to have a massive impact on your profitability. Yeah. Because you'll stop doing work for nothing, and uh, that'll you know automatically lift the, the the overall thing. So I think what you said about drilling down into individual jobs is is uh, is massive. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at it like a $300 job, you know. Like if that doesn't hit a target, that is still talked about. Yeah, so what I'd love to do is talk about targets because I think targets are, are, are massively important. And uh, if, you, if you don't have a target when your pricing work, then, you know, how do you know where it should be? So can you unpack what you do in terms of setting targets and how that helps you, uh, you know, with the profitability? A while back, we discussed what, what target we want for, you know, servicing uh, renovations, new house, commercial, just all the different ranges and discussed what, I think it was a bit of a discussion in PT, all the other superstars in there. They all, I mean, they've, a lot of them have done all this stuff before, so they've just worked out, worked out these numbers. Um, then those numbers are stuck on a, on the wall next to my estimator. So if he ever prices a job and he's unsure and sort of comes to me and goes, what do you think here? I can pretty much say 
what does it say on the wall, mate? Like, that's that's your f-ing answer, really. Some, yeah, SimPro allows you to, like when you, what well, your job management software should allow you to look at um, your quote and then it'll tell you at the bottom if it goes to plan, that's the gross margin it'll make. So it's, it's really, um, really simple. Like um, doing it how we used to on a bit of paper back in the day, like very, very hard and, and labour intensive to, where you're almost back costing the job before the job starts. Perfect, yeah, that that's the key, isn't yeah. it? Uh, because the challenge when you're busy is you just price work to get it done and get the price out. Mm. Uh, and effectively, uh, a lot of people just price work to get it done and to see if they can win the job. Uh, and there's quite a difference when you start having a, a target gross margin for the each type of work so that rather than just pricing it for the sake of it and seeing if you get the job, hoping you get the job, you're pricing it to make profit. Yeah. Because if you don't price profit in at the start of the job, it's really hard to bring it in at the end. I know in the squads we've you know we've kicked each other's asses a few times about you know tweaking the the gross margin and something that I've found incredibly powerful uh, and and I'm sure you'll you know you'll um, agree is that you can actually just change the the targets that you're hitting you want to hit and that actually starts to have the effect of increasing your margins as well just because you are aiming at a higher you know, higher mark, which I don't know, it buzzes me out. Psychology. That it actually works. It's so, it's this weird yeah. psychology, right? Yeah. But it actually works. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I think if, if you're listening and you're, you know, thinking about where should I price stuff, we'll figure out where you are now and just add a couple of percentage points to your gross margin. Very few people are going to say no to that. Uh, in fact, that's generally not not an issue at all. Yeah. No. I mean, when we've, when we've la- raised our labor rates in the past, like you just do it, eh? Like, I mean, the first time, Phil got us to do it. We sort of sat in, in Tim's Tim's office there, and we just sort of like, oh, well, let's draft an email and we'll send it to everyone. And we sort of hummed and nod, and I think we just ended up sending it, and no one ever said anything. You know, like it was a, we thought it was a big thing, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's often often the price we're charging is a bigger thing in our head than it is in our um yeah, yeah. in our customers, which is which is kind of weird. It's a hard thing to get your head around. Yeah, right? they use, they're using you because or using us because they 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 like us and they, and we do a good job and and all those other things, not because we charge five dollars more or ten dollars more less than someone else. Hundred percent. Hey, so one thing I'd love to just unpack is you've you've had estimators. You've got an estimator and a junior estimator now, and I know for a lot of people who um, maybe don't have estimators or are thinking about doing that, they're like, well, how could anyone ever price the work? Uh, so that's that's one thing. So how did you get over that hurdle? Like they don't know the business like me, and they don't know the clients. And what if they mess it up? Yeah, that that was a big hurdle. The bigger hurdle in that situation was getting your head around paying someone to do the pricing when we already did the pricing. But we did the pricing at night time, so we're like it's not a full time job. It's only two hours a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> he'll listen, he'll did... listen to this and be like, F- it's like a twenty hour day, and I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get come back for a pay rise. <laughs> now, I think I just had. I mean, I'd been doing it for long enough that I've got a pretty good system the estimator we've got he's a c on the on the disc so he wants everything to be right and perfect and you know he knows oh, he, he's a sparky so he, well, he was a sparky so the system i sort of had is made it easy enough for him to sort of jump in and do it i guess i mean that's probably not a great way to explain that the system system helps for sure well, yeah. yeah i think the bigger hurdle was what you spoke of, like what we said there is um the is there enough pricing to take on an estimator to do because because we were doing it sort of part-time and, and keeping up, but um, as we know, like we took them on and it just exploded basically. And then you get more private. It's capacity thing, isn't it? Like it frees up our capacity to to go and like find more work and nurture clients that we we have or we're trying to get. And then you get more pricing in, and then all of a sudden he's he can't keep up, and and now there's a junior. And isn't that interesting? I know, crazy that. But it took it took us like we you know we should have done it way earlier than we did because we yeah because of that thought. But man, you put the you 
you create that vacuum, eh? And holy heck. Yeah, it comes through. It just comes through. Um, what would you say to other business owners who are actually struggling, you know, financially at the moment? What's the best place for them to start with their numbers? Backcosting. Learn how to backcost, I think. Because I, I mean, I never even knew what backcosting was. Before I was taught, I wouldn't have known how to do it. So learn that. And then not just learn how to do it, do it on every job. Yeah. And then, like I said earlier, like learn why, you know, if something didn't go wrong, learn why. Or if something went really well, why? And let's target that yeah, do more of that type of work or that whatever yeah let's do more of that stuff if if this is you know talking to newer newer people in business i think you sort of start out and you don't really know your what you're worth and, and charge what you're worth i think like i mean we were guilty of it everyone is eh? like you just don't know but yeah that's massive for everyone is i mean well i used to price right back at the start i'd price something and i'd go oh that's a bit expensive and i'd knock a bit off you know <laughs> i don't know Used to do it. Don't know why I used to do it, but I did. <laughs> well, I think that's a pretty common thing. It's like uh, you put the price together and then you talk yourself down four times before you send, you know, send the email. And actually, I, I'm sure you've found it as well. But you know, I've, I've noticed a lot is when you get an estimator, that problem goes away as well because they just price to to the numbers to that you target. tell them yeah. to a target, and your your margins actually go up because they're not being a sissy about pricing. Yeah, well, they don't know. They don't have that emo that emotion. Yeah, that emotional kind of attachment to that to that outcome. So um, that's another upside of having an estimator doing the the pricing as well. Yeah, backcosting unbelievably important. I think that's um that's that's great advice. I'd also like to talk about the gains in revenue that you've made, uh, because you've done great, like three three extra revenue and and still climbing, uh, which is which is awesome. So, what do you think have been the key drivers of that revenue growth from from where you guys sit? Definitely putting the managers in place. So like getting the estimator initially, which then freed us up to do other stuff. Then the next one was um, the office manager, which freed up more time. Both of those two were the probably the biggest keys to growth for us over the years. Like both of them just were unbelievable what they did. And then later on, it was the ops managers. Those two were, those two helped us massively, Tim. Oh, yeah, huge, yeah. And, and, and it's that capacity, it's the capacity thing. So like having an estimator doesn't necessarily smash the business but that means that we're not doing the estimating so we've got time and we to go like nurture clients find new clients um hire more staff create systems like all those all those other things that then lead to the revenue growth some people listening will be kind of surprised because we haven't mentioned sales and marketing as the key things for growing revenue and i actually think you're 100 percent right they're actually not the biggest problems for most businesses the biggest problem is as you said tim a lack of capacity mm. which is solved by getting the right uh, structure, organization structure, the right people in the business, yeah. which gives you the, the room to grow. Uh, so um, I think that's amazing. Uh, but it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? It is, yeah. Especially when you may or may not be making a huge amount of money, thinking about putting someone on and, and paying them a salary, you're like, where's that money going to come from? But you fix all those those things we've talked about, your, your GP goes up and you're, and you're making more money and your revenue goes up and it just sort of snowball effect, eh? Um but it wouldn't even that snowball wouldn't even start rolling unless you hire that the estimator or the office manager or, or whatever 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 your yeah whatever your roadblock at the time might be. Yeah, that that's massive. So there's a big mindset challenge here, right? Which is I think you've alluded to it. It's getting through that. Um, hey, I'm going to have to invest some money and probably some training time as well to get some extra help. And frankly, that's where most businesses make the mistake. They don't do it because they're scared of doing it. Uh, it's stressful. It's too hard. They don't know what they're doing or it's going to cost too much money or you know, insert whatever reason here. So how did you actually get through that? Because I know it's been a challenge. It is for all of us. PT was a massive help and um, 
probably more than PT, the, the PT community and everyone inside inside it that's um that's done it before and, and you can sort of use them as a you know, it worked for them, so why wouldn't it work for us? So that was that was pretty huge. Um It took, it even took PT a long time to convince us to get an office manager, eh? Oh yeah. yeah. But we tried we tried really hard. <laughs> they banged on that door for a long time, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things like you, you think that um you do it so well and no one else could do it as good as you but i can tell you right now that um every single person that we've hired to do ops office work estimating um any of these things they are all better than us way better way better <laughs> our ops manager our ops manager just went away for three weeks uh a couple of weeks ago and god i missed him i did uh, I, i'm just laughing because i mean i've had the same experience in our business you know i, I don't even know how to do half the jobs anymore i wouldn't i couldn't do them i wouldn't have a clue and what you said there the peer group is massive uh and and i think a big challenge for a lot of us in business is we actually don't believe some things are possible because we've actually never really seen them yeah yeah what you guys have found i know in our boardroom group now where you surround yourself with people who are further down the road and uh, all of a sudden it's like oh it's not this big scary thing this is actually something who actually breathes oxygen and whose bum point south's done so yeah i oh, talked oh, to like maybe i can do it too new squad with old matt in there like you see what he does and what he's done, eh? You're like, oh, well, I've gone to here, but there's this whole, whole other level. Yeah, there's always another level, Yeah, yeah. which is cool. <clears throat> yeah. uh, and that's not to stress you out either. It's more for encouragement and inspiration. So, um, guys, those are massive, uh, massive learnings. And if you are listening, I reckon capacity is the biggest bottleneck to business growth. So you've got to build some capacity in your business because growth actually takes time and effort. And I know I've probably said it before, but, you know, if you've got a glass that's full of water, you can pour more water on it. You're never going to keep more water. It just flows over the side. So you've got to get a bigger glass, which is more people and better systems which allows you to grow. So um, you know, hats off to you guys for actually doing the hard work mentally to make that happen, even if we had to kick your ass a bit, which is all good. Yeah, yeah. Something you just uh, just said there just, just um, made me think of something, Tony, um, about like creating the systems and, and or like building like a um, job description before hiring someone. Um, a lot of, and we had the same thing. We were like, oh, we need to plan out what this person's going to do and, and, and all this stuff, but um, which was completely backwards. We needed to hire them so that they could help plan out how they were going to do it because they know how to do it better than we did um like if you work in 10 hours a day and then do an office work at night you're never going to have time to and we didn't to to plan out what your office manager is going to do when they start like you you have to hire them so you've got capacity to do that yeah that's gold i mean how often are people i mean we see it in in the membership right they're like oh well should i put all the systems together so when they come on board they can do the job well just let them do the systems yeah Yeah. that's part of their job uh which is killer i love that that's that's uh, super insightful. Let's look at culture uh, and and uh, company culture because I think you guys have done some cool stuff here. And culture is is massive. Like culture is those you know the unwritten rules about how things are done. And if you have a rubbish culture, people you know your team just doesn't pour. And you have a great culture, they're really productive and they like coming to work. So it's it's massively important. I think it's like absolutely critical to success. So what I'd love to to dig into is uh, why have you actually focused on culture so much? I love it. <laughs> It's, a, it's my jam, like making people make people happy, working with people. Um, but I think from from PT, where um, I don't know who's saying it actually is, but culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, that was big, and we, and we had a good culture before, um, but we probably wouldn't be able to articulate why, and we probably thought it was you know having barbecues and beers and, and being good buggers. Um, but it's way deeper than that, and um, and having having everyone happy and um, you know, all on the same boat, all rowing in the same direction, so to speak, is um, 
is massive like that's where that's where the gold is eh? like if you can if you can create that you're you know the, if, if you if you work on that then the money comes but if you focus your all your time and effort and everything on the, the bottom line and, and, the, and the dollars like you, you, your culture could could potentially um struggle and and that's when you run into problems with team and people leaving and um and not being able to hire hire staff because you get a bad reputation for being a being a prick um yeah all those things you look like you're ready to jump in there dylan with some Wise words, mate. I was going to say we managed to hire people in terms of practice. <laughs> I think we had a good culture before, but it wasn't really by design. It was just, I think we're just good buggers, I guess. And then one of the boot camps, quite recent actually, that it really got spoken about. And I don't know, we've, we've we spent a lot more time on culture lately. Yeah. Because um, like Tim said, like, everyone's happy and everyone's going in the same direction. Like shit just happens. You don't, you're not, you're not dealing with issues and crap and all that stuff that you hate as a business owner i think um something you mentioned there tim which which um always uh, always buzzes me out is that culture is is more than beers and barbecues yeah uh and i think a lot of a lot of people it's important to have a good social time uh and they think you know if they put a pizza on and some beers or some barbecues or whatever on a friday afternoon then um then that's culture and, and everyone's sort of tickety-boo and it definitely helps but it's much more than that isn't it oh massively more than that like that stuff's like hugely important and we, and we do that stuff and and i think all the guys appreciate that but if that's all you do that's not a good company culture if you if you know your systems suck and and you, you never listen to anyone's opinions and um you don't have regular check-ins and and all these other things um it's not enough well i i like to think of the beers and barbecues are like the cherry on top uh, yeah. if you've got everything else right and you put that on the top it's going to be magic that's what it is yeah but if you've just got that it's probably not going to cut the cut the mustard so what have you guys, uh, you know, what specifically have you implemented or done to actually help build the culture? What are the sort of boots on the ground stuff that you do that you think's really helped? Dialed down into our, our core company values. Um, got a rules of the game. Done a couple of alignment days now. We do really regular 20s, 20-minute catch-ups. And we have like fun days, activities, social club, that sort of stuff. Rules of the game, we got the, the, the boys to and the girls to get together. They made them, so they're their rules. So they're more likely to live by them. Those rules are things like, um, you know, turning up on time, uh, having a clean uniform. Ten commandments. Ten commandments, basically, yeah. Yeah, I think they're, they're pretty cool, the rules of the game, because I know when we talk about rules, some people freak out and like, oh, you're telling them what to do and yada, yada, yada. But it's a bit like if you play a game of sport and there's no rules, it's just, it's anarchy. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't know, if you're listening, if you've ever played Bull Rush, well, I'm old enough that you know you're actually to play bull rush, and and tackle people, and it was like just full on war every school lunchtime. Uh, no rules. You don't want your business to be like that. So the rules actually tell people how we're going to play the game in our business. One one thing I'd love to dig into, Dylan, is you talked about the twenties. So can you just explain, you know, what the twenties are, what the purpose of them are, and uh, and you know, I guess how you find them helpful. So for a long time there, Tim Tim did all of these. It's a 20-minute catch-up, which normally with Tim, it blows out to be more like an hour, but talk about like uh, wins, you know, like the wins they've had recently, goals that they're working towards or, or want to work towards, challenges that they're having. We review their KPIs in this time. Another time here where we thought PT was didn't have it right and we thought Tim should do it because he's the boss and wants to keep in touch with everyone. But now we've changed it so the managers do it to their direct reports and it works way better. Should have listened at the start, but anyway. Oh, I don't like to say, mate. <laughs> uh, is it, but like now it's you know it's a good way where 
the managers get to know their the guys that are under them. We we they they come in here in the morning and the manager grabs a, one of the grabs my credit card and goes over to the, the road and they just have a coffee and and write out some goals and talk about how everything's going. You know, like it's a good way if there's any issues that anyone's having. It's it's quite a just a wee chat so they sort of open up about things like that and stuff doesn't fester and I think the guys really enjoy it. I enjoy doing my ones. Yeah, how does that help build the culture? Oh, the people they feel like they're valued and listened to and like we give a shit. The goals that my direct reports have, I like try and help them with them or um, see if there's anything we can do to help them achieve these goals. I don't know. I guess it just makes them feel more like a team, a family. It shows them that we, because we do care and genuinely care, but it's a way, it's a good way of actually showing that and and telling someone that you care about them. Yeah, all good, but actually showing them in a in a practical step of like of of doing this catch up and and helping them with their goals and and actually helping them set goals as well is is huge. I think. Yeah, and how often do you run them? Everyone, yeah, everyone has one a fort, one a fortnight. On the surface, it seems like like it's like a a lot of time and and a lot of effort. It's twenty minutes, and um and each guy's probably got six or seven um twenties to do so. What's the what's the maths on that? Couple of hours, like every two weeks. Like you couldn't you couldn't spend a better two hours than that. Like that if that was the only two hours you worked in the week, that's what you want to do. Like checking in on your staff and like and and making sure they're they're happy and got what they need and 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 know what where they're going is like yeah, it's huge. And that's the hard work of culture. It's actually if you're really proactive with your team, and uh, you walk alongside them and set the direction and give them something to aim for. Then you don't have all the problems of people leaving and getting dis, you know dissatisfied or mucking stuff up all the time. It's not perfect, obviously things go wrong from time to time, but in general, uh, you don't have all the problems down the track because you put the work in up front. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, like it doesn't mean that your business doesn't have problems and your staff don't have issues, but it means that you know about those issues immediately and and put action steps in place to fix them rather than letting them fester for six months and wondering why half your team guys. Yep. Just leave all of a sudden. You're like, oh, what happened? And, like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. Um, great work on the culture too, because it's it's massive. And if you're listening, culture is is like it eats strategy for breakfast. I think Keith Cunningham said that. I think. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. Which is a great book, The Road Less Stupid. I think that's the book, isn't it? Yes. So if uh, if you want a good read, um, okay, let's talk about um the fact that you've got a bunch of managers now, uh, as you've grown. So the challenge, I guess, that we find, and, and I'm sure you felt it, and the fear, I guess, is when you're employing managers that you might actually lose control of the business and you won't actually know what's happening in your business. So I guess, first thing, did you feel like that? It's a tough one. I think letting go of control, um, that was hard. What have you done to actually ensure that your management team is doing a great job and that the work out in the field and the pricing and, and all that sort of stuff is actually being done well? The culture is a big part of that, is of knowing you can trust them, you know, like, they, they know what, what we want and everyone knows what each other wants. They live by our rules and our core values as well. Like our core values are honesty, commitment, pride and, and well-being so that, you know, like they live, live by them. You, I mean, you, you do trust them, right? We sat down a while back and, and, and got like really clear job descriptions so they know what they are responsible for. We have a weekly management meeting where um, each manager, they'll record their key metrics into this spreadsheet that we have. Then we all sort of get together on a Tuesday morning and they each of them presents their their key results to the group. And then um, we all discuss them and that keeps them accountable. They have to put them put the results in themselves, um, which I think is like a, everyone wants to win, right? Everyone wants to everyone wants to achieve and everyone wants to hit their goals. So 
I know that, like I've seen seen one of the ops managers in the past where his target's not, he's looking on a Thursday and he's like, oh, shit. Well, the estimator, he's a classic, actually. He's terrible for it where he's on a Wednesday and he's like, oh, man, I'm not going to hit target this week. And then he's, you know, like he gets on the hustle to to make sure he does because he doesn't want to sit there on that Tuesday meeting and go, oh, I didn't get this, this or this done. So um, that works really well. That's uh, that's killer, that system. I love that. And I think a bunch of the other guys in boardroom have, have picked that up, that self-accountability by, by actually having to put your numbers and then show them, showing them to your peers. Uh, you don't want to let the side down. Yeah, yeah. We've just we've just changed that again. Actually, that that spreadsheet. Um, so now each of the managers talks about a win from the week before, a learning, a lesson, or something that didn't go well from the week before. Uh, they talk about what their focus is for that coming week, um, and like a main focus, not just the estimator won't say, "Oh, I've got pricing." Um, like a something something else. Um, and whether they need help from from someone else, like probably me, but whether they need help with something and we discussed that there in that group, and that that seems to go pretty good, eh? So. Oh yeah, it's that, yeah, it's it sort of changed that, that that meeting was good, and now it's and now it's great, and and then out of that meeting, we've actually got like an action plan of like steps of what each person is going to do themselves and what they need to help, maybe help other someone else with or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, you're creating a great sense of teamwork amongst your management team as well, which is which is cool because otherwise sometimes they're like, oh well, I'm just ops and I don't care about anything else, or I'm pricing and i don't care about anything else yeah no, we've got an awesome management team out eh? like yeah. real good culture in that in that group of of us yeah awesome and group. i think that's that's a, that's a huge thing as your business grows you know you've got 20 or 30 guys and you get up to 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 the culture of the management team and the performance of the management team is actually what's going to grow the business yeah uh, they're the ones who do the heavy lifting and our job is um as leaders is to actually coach and train and mentor them so that they can do a great job which is, um, I think, a you know, nice transition you guys have been making as well. Yeah. Let's talk about partnerships, business partnerships. <laughs> um, so you guys are still talking to each other after a, a while, which is which is amazing. So I'd love to just dig into the partnership side of things because uh, I think that's really interesting. Lots of people are either in a partnership, maybe with you know a business partner, or maybe they're in business with their uh, their husband or wife or significant other, and there's some similarities. Um, you guys don't go home together at night, but you sometimes. Know, uh, it's kind of sometimes. Yep, just depending how it rolls, it's all good. Um, so, how did you guys actually get into business together? We worked together for quite a few years um, at a diff- couple of different companies. Tim went away to UK and came back and got him a job where I was at the time. And um, he was my apprentice, by the way. Um, Still am not the best one I ever had, but he was he was all right. And um, we just worked really worked really well together. I think our personalities are. Match pretty well. And I think we'd worked for we'd both worked for some really really good companies and some not so good companies. We sort of thought, oh, let's give it a crack and we'll sort of model it off those good companies that we had worked for. Try and create something that's like an awesome company, not just another sparky company. You know, like we wanted to do do it differently and sort of model that on the on the good companies we had worked for and take the best bits from them and and make sure the the worst bits from the the bad places we worked never never got done. Yeah. So what have been the challenges of working together? Probably a challenge and a, and a really good point for us is that I'm a real stressed person and Tim stresses me out because he's not a stressed person and he's so laid back. So that stresses me out more at times, but then he can be a real calming influence as well and sort of talk me down. So I don't know if that's a challenge. That That's a challenge and a, and a blessing, I guess. We're, honestly, we don't really have too many challenges between us two. We're like, neither of us have an ego. 
we both have very similar upbringings, probably had really similar like values and beliefs. Eh? Yeah. Probably a real important one in partnerships that neither of us are like when neither of us are like materialistic or have money as a major motivator. What have you guys done to make it a success? Probably the biggest change that we've done about 18 months ago, we, we sort of identified that we were probably doing a little bit of everything and neither of us was responsible for anything and we're just sort of in each other's lane and it was just a bit of a mess. So we sort of just said like, right, we need to have one boss, who's going to report to who, I guess, in a, in a way, and worked out who was going to be responsible for what, um, worked out job descriptions for ourselves and then that's when we did all the managers ones, which you know sort of kept us in our own lane. You know, We're accountable for our certain things now. So stuff wasn't falling behind and, and not getting done, I guess. It was massive. Big shifts. Uh, and this is the thing, if you are in a partnership and there's two of you, uh, often you start off as well, equals, I guess. Um, it's, it's not that you guys aren't equals, but you almost build two businesses within one business and everyone's doing a bit of everything, which is not a very efficient way to do it. And so now you have one person who's actually the boss, the GM, who the responsibility sits with. Uh, and it doesn't make you better or higher than the other person. It's no, just it that's your role. In fact, <laughs> metaphorically higher, not physically. Anyhow, uh, in some ways, being the GM is actually you know is more responsibility in a way. So it does come with a bit of a thing. But uh, how do you, how do you negotiate that? Do you, you know, any stresses or frustrations with that, or you, you both feel really comfortable in the roles you are, and you, you know you've got each other's backs. They suit our um, personalities. Like I'm a. So you're the boss because you keep interrupting, Dylan. Is that the case? Or? <laughs> I can't, yeah, well, I try not to. I try to let him talk, you see. I'm trying my hardest. That's all right. Carry on, bro. Um, I was just going to say, like, we're 100% like, back each other in, in each other's roles. Like, um, and I think you have to. You can't. And, and that probably comes back to the ego. Like, you can't. If both of you want to be the, the general manager, like, one of you has to. Um, we didn't have that. But, um, I was quite happy to, to go into my role because it, it's what it, like, like I said before, that's what I enjoy. And, and it suits my personality better, but someone has to step step back and let the other one go forward, and you both have to agree on that and, and let it happen. Um, you can't do it and then still poke your nose in and, and do bits and pieces of, of the of the general manager, I guess, type role. Like you have to decide what the split's going to be and then just work on your stuff and, and let the other stuff. I mean, you're not going to let the business fall apart, but, um, yeah, like leave them to it, so to speak. You've touched on a real secret to success to grow a substantial business. It's okay if you've got three or four people running around. You can be a bit looser in your structure, but once you get to 20, 30, if you want to grow to 50, 60, whatever, clear accountabilities, clear job descriptions mean that you know who's responsible for stuff. Otherwise, you know, if you don't know who's responsible, no one's responsible and stuff really falls through the cracks. So um, I think you've set up, you know, a great structure to, to succeed from there as well. So um, that, that's cool. Everyone has to be responsible for their own thing. That's that's key. Let's talk about results. So what have the results from the business meant for you and your families? We definitely have more family time now and um, and like actually being present when you are with the family rather than um, just giving them the, the little bit that's left over at the end of the day. You know, like we, we both coach Dylan's 10-year-old rugby. We're, you know, like taking, yeah. taking that time away to actually do that is, is awesome. Um, what, what do I do? I take um, my daughter swimming every other week. Um, we're generally home at a reasonable hour now. You are? Well, I told you, I'm trying to see how much time I can spend away with before I get fired. <laughs> I, I reckon for me, like I, probably not so much him because he's not really stressed, but I think I used to, used to get home and I'd be so wound up from the day that the little things at home would uh, <laughs> piss me off a whole lot more than they probably should have. 
Whereas these days, I, I'm not so fiery or not so on, on edge. I'm happier when I get home, not as stressed when I get home. Like we're not saying we never took holidays before, but now we can book a holiday and go on a holiday and not spend three weeks before we go and three weeks afterwards planning it and then tidying up the mess afterwards. It's um, You can take a week or a couple of weeks off and, and you know that everyone is going to cover it. So let's talk about mindset. What mindset changes have you had to make to achieve the success that you've had? Like you can't do everything forever. Like Even the best need help. Working harder doesn't always mean working longer. It's about working on the right stuff. Let go of the control and the and the outcome. The two biggest ones is is hire earlier than you think you need to because we've got we've got that wrong a lot. And then culture is king. Do you want to add to that, Tim? Mindset. Nah, you nailed, it. you nailed it. But like the, yeah, I think the last the last point there is is um, culture is king. That's the number one most important thing, and and probably a massive reason of why we got into business was was to create that that cool business to work for that family vibe um, and, and help everyone within that along. It's uh, very rewarding that too. Oh, massively rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Super good. Okay. Um, I have one last question. How important was getting outside help uh, for you guys with the business success that you've had? And what have you uh, valued most about the help you've received? Hugely important. Uh, quite often think what we'd be doing at this point in our lives if we didn't. We wouldn't be sitting here. No, we definitely wouldn't be sitting here. Um, <laughs> probably be probably be in a, in a trench digging a hole or something. I'd have less here. Yeah, pretty much. We could put a lot, most of what what we're up to these days, down to getting some coaching and getting some help. The most important thing. Um, I did think about that earlier, and it's a hard one. I think the peer group has been really good. Um, ideas and and you know throw a question up, eh? and it, always multiple people willing to help um meet these people that you know on these boot camps like i've got some good mates like you now a lot of people that i talk to outside of pt about nothing to do with pt just good people that are i guess in the same situation so you've got similar similar things going on but yeah some some really cool helpful people and probably the biggest thing i take out of it the coaching as well has, has helped massively um with business but also um like mindset outside of work and and just being a better person um mm. you know like um oh we do, we're gonna go do a um <laughs> a vision day and is it next week and um yeah. you know with like a part of that the plan of that day is to do some meditation like if you had have said to me six years ago that you're going to go do a, a go to queenstown with dylan and, and do a, a a whole day working on the vision of your business and do some meditation i would have said you're crazy i'll never do that but yeah we do stuff like that and it's 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 crazy how beneficial it is to to how you feel that um that really makes me smile because one of the reasons we do what we do is to help you meditate no Um, (laughs) but in in all seriousness one of the things that lights me up in our our role as coaches is you have to become a better person to be a better business owner so it it's uh, that's absolutely critical and the results you get will be related to how much you grow as a person which is kind of the little secret of of coaching that you probably don't people don't think about and, and why would you but it is actually really critical so um that's amazing that's so good i think that's a a great place to uh to land this plane really appreciate hanging out with you guys today you've done amazing and i just always encourage you to look back on what you've done and realize that you've you've know, got some amazing lessons that you can share with everyone and i appreciate you taking some time out you know to actually do that today i think that's that's awesome uh, no worries, thanks. No worries. It was actually um real real cool to look look over all that stuff and yarn about it and see what we 
what we have done is it's pretty pretty cool. That's right. You've always got to focus on the gain, which is you know the improvements you've made rather than the gap, because it's really easy to focus on uh, on what we've got left yeah. to do. But um, that can leave us a bit tired sometimes. Definitely. Awesome guys. Appreciate you. Keep up the great work. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, mate. Just Tony. Next week on the Profitable Trading Podcast. If your pricing is too low, it will create all kinds of problems in your business, most of which you won't realise are due to low pricing. Tune into this episode where we discuss why you must charge the highest price you can and why it's critical for great customer service. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group and we'll see you in the next episode of the Profitable Trady podcast.